Marty, come bless these people. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you all for coming tonight. I'm glad to be here tonight. As always, it is an honor to be in Family Worship Center. And uh, to celebrate Brother Swigert's 39th birthday is always an honor. <laughs> he said I called him an old man. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> well, the truth is the truth. <laughs> the truth, is the truth. Well, when you're 15 years old, everybody looks old, amen? <laughs> well, would you like to get in the Word tonight? Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you please open them to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hallelujah. Hebrews, chapter 11. Praise God. I feel the presence of God all day long in this house. Amen? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I sense there's a number of ministers in the house. If you're a minister, would you raise your hand? Amen. See that? I could feel you all. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. The theme of this night seems to be heaven. And it's very interesting because uh, that's kind of what God wants me to talk about tonight. Is heaven. Amen. If you're there in the book of Hebrews, say amen. amen. Chapter 11, beginning with the 8th verse. We'll get on the devil with a short stick and knock him out. Amen. amen. <laughs> verse 8, starting with verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out not knowing where he went. And by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they may have had opportunity to have returned. But now, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, as always, we cannot enter into such subject matters without the anointing of thy Holy Spirit. And we sense thy presence here among us. In all that was sung tonight, we know that you have called us to speak these words. And we ask that you would loose our tongue and open a door that the gospel might be preached as it should. All those that are listening around the nation on Sun Life Radio, those around the world on internet television, 
and here in the congregation. We ask, O oh Father, that you would move by your spirit now and arrest us and lift us between the heavens and the earth and show us wondrous things to come. Help us, Holy Spirit, to do the thing that you've been sent to do, and that is to glorify Jesus Christ. And we will give you all the glory for having defeated the enemy 2,000 years ago. And Father, we will give you all the praise and all the glory for your anointing, for your grace, and for all that's about to be done. Change us. Change us into the image of thy dear Son, we pray. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people say it. Amen and amen. I suppose if I had a title for this message, uh, it would come from, uh, from the uh, 14th verse. They seek a country. Hallelujah. The nation of Israel was a nation that, that was born out of great affliction. The Bible tells us that, that he spoke to Father Abraham and, and that he moved on his heart. Uh, scholars tell us and those who study such things tell us that when Abraham was uh, yet a Gentile dwelling in Ur of the Chaldees, that, that Abraham reached a place in his life that, that he was walking out. Some scholars tell us actually that Abraham was, was a great scientific mind. We know that they tell us that his father was an idol maker and that their family was deeply engrossed in making idols and providing idols for, for the nations around them, for the people and tribes around them. But the Bible tells us that one day God reached down into this man named Abram's heart and, and spoke to him. And called him out from a family that was steeped in idolatry. Called him out from a way that was headed no way. Into a way that only, only few have ever known. Into a way where God would reveal himself to him in a way that no one had known up until that time. I am the Lord God, he would tell him. And he would call Abraham to come out from where he was. And the Bible tells us something very interesting there. It says that... When God called Abram, that he called him out, and Abraham obeyed him and had no idea where he was going. Do, have you ever felt that way? You're on this journey with Jesus. That's it, yes. And one day, like Abram, he, he reached into your life. He reached into your family. When you least expected it, God showed up on your doorstep. And he called you out. And you obeyed and said yes to Jesus and you began this journey, but, 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 but you had no idea where it would lead, where it would head to. And so as Abram came out, the Bible says he went out not knowing where he was going. And, and we know the story that Abram believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. And as a result, uh, the Bible says, because of the faith of this one man, so many as the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven would spring out. You and me are a result, if you know Jesus Christ, of Father Abraham and his faith and his belief in the Lord. And a nation would be born, the nation of Israel. And we know that, that the Bible tells us that a time came when they would end up in slavery in Egypt. And in this time, the Bible tells us that after Joseph had deceased, that a Pharaoh would rise that did not know the God of Joseph, that, and, and Israel would be placed into a terrible slavery. 
And they would work for many, many years under the slavery, under the hand of a cruel taskmaster. But we know the story. God would raise up a deliverer by the name of Moses. And God would send Moses into Egypt and he would bring the nation out and we know that they would cross the Red Sea and through the mighty hand of God they would be delivered and brought over to the other side. Hallelujah. We're headed somewhere. And as they went and became a nation and Moses would pass on, Joshua would take leadership. And as they would go into the promised land, a land that had been promised to their forefathers, and they began to to be prospered by God and began to to dwell in houses that they had not built and reap down fields that they had not sowed, that they began to hunger and desire to be like the rest of the nations. And the Bible tells us that a prophet would raise up by the name of Samuel, and Samuel would would plead on behalf of the people and he would weep before God and he would say, they want a king. And God would say, do not weep, Samuel, for they do not reject you, Samuel, but they are rejecting me. And we know the story, Saul would become king. And after Saul and his rebellion and so forth and so on, King David would arise. David would take the throne, a great anointed vessel of God, the forerunner, the father of whom the Bible says, Jesus Christ, son of Abraham, son of David. For through his line, Messiah would come. And the nation of Israel would would experience great prosperity and the kingdom would grow under David and David would pass on and he he would father a son by the name of Solomon and Solomon would build a great temple. The Bible tells us that when Solomon had finished dedicating the temple, that that the fire of God came down, the glory of God came down, and it filled the house so that the ministers could not even stand to minister because of the presence of Almighty God. A people that had known the great presence of God, a nation that was born out of faith, a nation that was born out out of the heart of a man who desired to know God, A nation that had known God in a way that no other nation had known them before. Ended up becoming an idolatrous nation. A nation that would reject the very God who had delivered their fathers. A nation who would turn away from the precepts and and the law and the beautiful commandments that had been given them through Moses and, and through the prophets. A nation who turned its back on God. And God would raise up mighty prophets that would foretell of a coming judgment upon them. And we know that Nebuchadnezzar would come down and sweep in to Judah and destroy the beautiful temple of Solomon because of idolatry, because of their rebellion, because of their resistance to allowing God to make them the kind of people that he wanted them to be. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm feeling that. Get over here to my notes and be safe. After 70 years, God would deliver the people. And he would bring them Nehemiah. And, and he would launch out to rebuild a temple known as Zerubbabel's temple. And yet again, they would experience nation after nation coming in and coming out. 
But they had a promise. They had a promise that that one day God would restore the glory. That one day God would bring a king. That one day God would restore the kingdom as it once had been. And so they looked for these things. When they rebuilt the second temple, the Bible tells us that there was two classes of people. There were the young generation and the older generation. The older generation began to to weep when they saw Zerubbabel's temple. Because they had remembered the former glory that, that they had before. But the younger people were excited. Because they had never seen such a beautiful presence of God. They didn't know the moving of God. And so the two began to mix the weeping and the joy, the weeping and the joy. But the prophet would raise up and he would say, why do you weep? The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What was he talking about? What was he trying to describe? There was a house that was coming. There was a master of the house that was coming. Wherever Jesus walked, wherever he set his feet, the glory of God was all around him. I don't know what you think about when you think about Jesus. But you know what it's like to have the presence of God come into a sanctuary. You know what it's like to have his presence on your life. Whenever the master spoke, that presence was magnified a hundredfold, a thousandfold. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And so time would go on. And the great institution of of Judaism would rise. The religion would take hold. And from the close of the book of Malachi until the opening of the book of Matthew would be 400 years of religion. 400 years of offering, uh, offerings of burnt offerings and meal offerings and sacrificing lamb after lamb after lamb. You see, when the book of Hebrews opens up, it says in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. For 10 chapters, the Apostle Paul, I believe it was Paul, and you can argue with the theologians up there. If they don't agree with me, I'm sorry, but I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And when he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, he had just spent 10 chapters describing what it was like for Israel to approach God under the system of the law. And when he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, what he was talking about is before faith to you was taking a lamb under the Levitical law and offering it on the brazen altar. But now he tells Israel, the substance of your faith is no longer in a lamb that you, that you slay and the blood pours out. Now your faith is squarely placed in one king and one king alone and his name is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The substance of things that you hope for. It was God's mercy. It was God's grace that the book of Hebrews was written to Israel. The book of Hebrews was written 40 years before the destruction of the temple. God gave them 40 years to read the words of the Apostle Paul, to take a people that had only known religion. To take a people that were looking for a physical manifestation of the kingdom of God and tell them there is a better kingdom. There is a better place than what you can see with these eyes. There is a heavenly kingdom that is coming. 
When Jesus came, that's why they rejected him. When he came into this earth, they were looking for a king. But the kind of king they wanted was another David, another Samson, another great and mighty uh, physical king. And he didn't come the way they thought he would come. He came in meekness, in humility, in lowliness. I wish some of our preachers would understand that today. Oh, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know what Jesus they know. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, that when Jesus spoke, all the sinners, all of them, not some, not half, but all the sinners and the publicans came to hear his words. I have to ask ourselves this question. Where's all the sinners tonight knocking down our doors trying to hear what we're preaching? Keep smiling and nobody will know it's you. Amen. Or me. You know what drew me to the gospel? It wasn't all the fanciness. It wasn't all the the, the slick presentation. It, it, it It was an old man on TV. I don't want to get too far off my subject. I remember one time I was in the Hacienda Hotel. It's not even there anymore in Las Vegas. I'd been drinking all night, maybe two nights in a row with my father. I just got out of the Air Force. And uh, we'd been drinking for a good 36 hours. And I decided I was going to go back to my room. The Hacienda Hotel, I think it's Mandalay Bay now or something like that. It doesn't even exist anymore. That's how old I am. And I remember stumbling into my room. Been drinking all night. Been partying and laughing and creating a ruckus in the casino. Security would come over once in a while and tell us to quiet down in Las Vegas. That's how crazy we were. And I left the bar that night and I went home. I think the sun was getting ready to come up. And I didn't know what day it was, but it was a Sunday morning. I would come to find out. And... I went into my room and uh, turned on the television set. And I was looking for something to watch. And the last thing I thought that I would want to watch was some old guy preaching at me on TV. But you see, there was something on the inside of me. No matter how much I drank, no matter how many women I chased, No matter how many marijuana cigarettes I smoked or we can go down the list because I did them all, there was always something in the midnight hour of my heart that was empty, cold, dry, and lifeless. And and, and that's the way it is when you're running in this world. I was crying out for something to fill my soul. I drank enough Jack Daniels to float a battleship. But it could not quench the thirst of my spirit. My heart was hungering for something. Somebody, please come and touch that place inside of me that no one else can touch. And I turned on that television set. And he looked in the camera. You know how he used to do? And he said, you are drunk. And he said, don't change that channel. And he said, the only thing that will slake the thirst of your soul is Jesus Christ, 
the son of the living God. And I couldn't explain it, but for some reason, tears came bursting out of my eyes. And I began to cry, and I began to weep. As I knew the words that he was speaking were true, it was what I needed. You know, I'm an old Catholic boy, okay? No one preaches the word like that in the Catholic church. Sorry, there's some good priests there, I guess. But I didn't know what it was like to have the gospel ministered to me. But you know, when you hear the gospel, nothing else will satisfy. My sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. And when Jesus came into Israel, it was religion that rejected him. This nation that I've so clumsily already described at this point, fast forwarding thousands of years of history to the time of Christ, when he stood up in the midst of the feast and said, if any man thirst, yes. let him come unto me and drink yes, yes. and I will give him living water. You by radio, you driving on the road right now, you listening by internet, television, you in the congregation. Is there a thirst in your heart right now? How many days have you been awake? How many lines do you have to do? How many more veins do you have to look for because they've collapsed because you can't find a clean vein anymore? Until you're ready to say yes to God. Right now, I can feel it in my spirit. You're driving on the road, and you're on your way to pick up some crystal meth. Stop right now where you are. Yes, yes. There is a drug that's greater than any drug, and that's a poor choice of words. There is, a, there is an anointing from on high yes, that will fill yes. you the deepest part of your soul if you will only say yes to Jesus. I know what I'm talking about. I don't care how dark you've been. I don't care if you're sitting in the corner saying, Brother Marty, you just don't know what I've done. I don't care if you're a Christian and you failed. There is nothing that can stop the precious blood of Jesus from moving into your life, moving into your heart, reaching down into the depths of your soul and setting you free. Hallelujah. 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 I feel somebody wrestling. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I can tell you with confidence, you ain't done as much as I've done. I haven't always been this dignified looking. I know what it is to fail as a Christian too. I know what it is as a Christian to look at God and say, I don't want nothing to do with you. Leave me alone. Running from God. Running from God. There is no place lonelier 
There is no place darker than when you turn your back on God because deep inside you know no matter how many pills you take, no matter how many drugs you put up in your veins, no matter how many bottles of Jack Daniels you drink, you still can't stop the still small voice of the Holy Spirit calling you home. He will not let you go. He will not let you go. You'll have to step over the body of Jesus in order to go to hell. He paid a price for you that no one else could pay. Come home, come home, come home, come home, come home, hallelujah. Praise God, yes. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going through the hell that you're going through because God has his hand on you. There's people praying for you. But you don't know how hard it is. Yes, I do. And I can't give you no magic prescription that tomorrow you'll wake up and everything's all gone. I can't say that to you. But what I can say is that if you'll just take one step, he'll take ten towards you. Take another, he'll come running. The Bible says that when he saw the sun coming, he got up off the porch and ran to him and embraced him and said, put a robe around him, put a ring on his feet, put shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, and kill the fatted calf. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. This is what the devil fights so hard. This is what he hates the most. That we can mess up, brother, sister. But if you'll take just one turn towards God, he'll bow the heavens and come down to you. He's waiting, watching. He's calling for you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. If I make my bed in hell, David said. You are there. You are there. Yes, yes, yes. I have to hurry. I have to share this, though. What's this got to do with everything? (laughs) I was 14 days one time, many years ago now. I thank God for my precious wife, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. I should be dead if it wasn't for them. When it was so easy for someone to say, this guy's a joker, get rid of him. They wouldn't let me go. They kept praying for me. They kept praying for me. When Jesus calls you to love the unlovable, Fourteen days I'd been awake. Praise God. Some 17, 18, 19 years ago. High on cocaine. Raging mad. Lost about 50 pounds in two weeks. Hadn't slept. It was Mother's Day and I was trying to get home to my wife. She had my little daughter, Mary Elizabeth. Pregnant with another baby, Michael. You know, I know you look at my children and think, boy, they got it made. They've been through hell, buddy, with this daddy. But I thank God that they see me preaching the gospel now. Hallelujah. 
And like I've told them, honey, no matter where you go, girls, I don't care what you do, where you've been, what you think you've done. If you'll just turn to Jesus, he will receive you back into his house. Hallelujah. See, you don't know why the devil marks you so. You could be the only solution to somebody's problem. You are an epistle, open and read of all men. The only Jesus that they will ever see is the Jesus that you show them. When all hell is breaking loose around you, and you still have a smile on your face, and they think you're crazy because, because you don't crumble like everybody else. After a while, they'll come to you and say, what is wrong with you? What are you taking? I says, well, I drink a lot. Well, what do you drink? The Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You want to hear the rest of that story, don't you? See, you guys are nosy. 14 days I hadn't been asleep. I had gone and rented a room on the top of... Uh, the Hyatt Hotel in the Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, California. Had about an ounce, ounce and a half of cocaine. I was getting all the waiters high. I was getting all, I mean, it was horrible. And darkness was fighting for my soul. And on Mother's Day, I, I thought, man, I got to get home. I haven't been home in 14 days. And I'm driving. And as I was driving down this long stretch of highway between Los Angeles and Bishop, California, Highway 395, just outside of a place called Ridgecrest. There's all kinds of bushes on both sides of the road. I was having a conversation with somebody in my car that wasn't there. And all of a sudden, on both sides of the road, the, uh, been awake 14 days now, the, the bushes began to turn into hideous-looking creatures like dragons and crocodiles, things like that, and they began to reach out onto the road and reach out onto the road and try to grab my car, grab my car. And I was trying to get home. And all the powers of hell began to fight against me. I'm not, I'm telling you the truth. God is hearing me right now. I don't know. I didn't come by to talk about all this tonight, but somebody needs to hear this. Forces of darkness. Fighting for my soul. And I, I'd never made it home. It, I couldn't. I was, I was too blown away. I, I turned off the road. Went and got a hotel room. And all that week I would fight with God, with the devil. I'm talking about hellish darkness. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. And... I would tell the Lord, let me go. I would cry because of my precious wife. And I'd say, why would you give her such an idiot like me? Think about my father-in-law, my mother. And I thought about my sisters, my children. Everybody was flashing. The Holy Spirit's trying to talk to me. And I'm thinking, I can't handle this. I'm just, I'm just a messed up dude. I never asked you to save me. I never asked you to put your spirit on me. I didn't want to do any of these things. And now I find myself manifesting what I always knew that I was anyway. Messed up. Let me go. And darkness would fill the room. 
and clouds and mist would swirl in this black of darkness. The devil wrestling for my soul. Some of you, the devil is wrestling for your soul. Some of you have children. You think, my God, I don't know what, it, what I'm going to do with that boy, that girl. Darkness is wrestling for their soul. And you could be the only lifeline that's keeping them from crossing over. Because I'll tell you what. I called out to God and said, let me go. And, and the whole room was filled with darkness. I'm talking, the Bible says in the book of Exodus that there's a darkness that can be felt. I could feel that darkness. And I could feel the darkness flooding my soul. But as it flooded my soul, the only way I can describe it is if you take a piece of paper and a pin, and you pluck that pin into that paper and hold it up to the light, you can see the smallest, tiniest little hole of light. And that's what it felt like on the inside of my spirit. You were saved? Yes, I was saved. Well, how do you explain your behavior? I don't. I don't know. If I could tell you why I did those things, I would tell you, but I don't know why. To this day, other than it was in me. And you don't know what you're capable either, except for the grace of God. So don't be so quick to point your finger at somebody just because they're down and out, because without the grace of God, that could be you too. And that one pinhole of light was God holding on to my spirit. And no matter how great the darkness, it could not break that pin of light. What are you telling me, Brother Marty? If you've prayed for somebody, if you've preached to somebody, if you've labored over your husband and cried over your wife and pleaded to God for your children. There is light on the inside of them that all the darkness of this world cannot penetrate. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Hallelujah. And like a thousand sunrises in the crucial moment, I felt it coming over me like a wave. I know it was my wife's prayers, my wife's intercession. It came into the room and all the demon spirits of hell that acted so tough and bad, they all fled the room and I was instantly, I, was, I wasn't high anymore. The power of prayer, the power of Jesus. My Lord. I made a mess of this, but let me finish with this. No, no, no. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Some of you, you're going through stuff right now. You, you, don't even, you weren't even going to come tonight, but you came. You don't even know why you're watching on internet television, but you are. You've been wanting to change the station for about 10 miles now, but you haven't. God is calling you. God is calling America. 
if I can take it to another level. <laughs> 25 million people hooked on Vicodin. 30 million Prozac, Ritalin. Let's go down the list. Am I, am I, <laughs> am I judging you? No. But I submit to you, you're just hurting. And I know you're just trying to get by. Do I judge you? No, I've been there. I'm trying to walk it out myself. How honest can we be in church? I ain't got no reputation after just a couple stories I just shared. So, uh, <laughs> It's a daily struggle for me every day. But you see... I was reading this the other day, and, and uh, I was thinking, Father Abraham, he saw something. He, he saw something, the Bible says. He, he dwelt in tabernacles in, 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 in Israel, in the land of promise, but he felt like he was in a strange country. See, that's been happening to me. I don't know about you, but this world is getting pretty bad. And, and, and a lot of people are, are, are struggling and a lot of people are bound. And, and I'm talking about Christians now. But God is able to set you free. But how? How can he set me free? I've been, I've been crying out to him for so long you just don't understand. Yes, I do. I don't know how he'll set you free. I can't give you no prescription. I could, I could cross all the T's and dot all the I's and I could do a, a doctrinal tap dance for you and say, all you got to do is this. But the truth is, you still got to walk it out. Holding the hand of God. And you've got to ask him to change the desire of your heart to his desire. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I be really honest? This is probably the last time they'll ask me to preach, but I'm going to be really honest. Look, man, I've got a torn ACL in my knee. I've got degenerative L5 disc in my back. My wife will tell you, my kids will tell you, well, half the time I can't get up in the morning, walk around. Constant pain. For nine years, I've been taking painkillers to try and deal with this pain, just to try to get by. But every time I would go preach somewhere, boy, it's getting quiet in here. Hmm? Oh, my God, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'd go down the list. He'll deliver you from this. He'll deliver you from this. But I could never say. He'll deliver you from this. Do you need those? Sometimes. And some of you, I'm sure, do. But, but, but it's not God's best for me. So about 15 days ago, I told Jesus. Actually, he told me. If you want to put those things down, you can put them down. So I did. It's been 15 days today. Hallelujah. 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 
And I don't even recognize myself in the mirror. Nine years. Are you delivered? I am today. You ever going to take him again? I don't know. Are you hedging your bets? Probably. Because I'm in the flesh. Do you want to? No. So pray for me. I'll be praying for you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. How do I bring the horse back to the barn? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look, man, we're headed somewhere, right? Yes, we are. We were singing it earlier. Be no crying there. We are. What's that? How's that song go? Yeah, we're going to see the king. We no dying there. We are going to see the king. Be no crying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the king. Hallelujah. I might come limping. We might not look like much. But when when we see him, we're going to be just like him. He's going to change us in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Yes, yes. Where I am, there you may be also. Praise the name of Jesus. I want to close with this. I, I know, I don't know, but I know. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe we'll finish preaching this someday here, but if they ask me back, are they looking at me? Are they shaking their head? No. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, my wife and I and kids, and Josh Rosenstern came with us. We were invited to the inauguration uh, this year. And uh, my wife and I received some special tickets to get up close to, uh, to President Obama. And so we were about, probably about from here to the back door right there, inside the sanctuary, not too far, about 100 feet or so. And we had a special section of seating. And uh, 